This is where they tur turn the mic on, right? <laughs> Thank God, because I'm in the corner singing, and it says make a joyful noise, but <laughs> sometimes what's coming out of my mouth is joyful, but not very pleasant to listen to. I love this church. I love Brave Church. It's a wonderful home. It's a wonderful place to be. I am very biased. The people here really love God. And I'm going to tell you, I'm so moved by how the people serve here, how they serve God, how they love in deed and in truth. In those moments we have with the band, I'm going to tell you, many a time, and even today, I'm kind of good. I don't know about you, but... I just praise God and the worship team always does it for me. They bring me to that place where I come into his presence and that's all I need. That's all I need. They remind me so much of how good God is and how good he's been to me. We have a series here, and Ricky and me, we talk on the phone every once in a while. I, I had no idea what he was going to say. I was hoping it was going to be okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I don't know what Ricky's thinking, you know. But he asked me. And, you know, if you know Ricky, uh, I'm not him. I don't look like Ricky. I look like someone who ate Ricky. What we do have in common is this. He loves God. And he loves this. And if I can encourage you today, we're talking about our sword. In an ever-changing world, I have learned to put my trust in unchanging principles. This is how I see the world this day. But I haven't always. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So I'm going to ask you to bring up that first slide for me. Okay, thank you for our production team because we're winging it, okay? You want to read this along with me? Sure? Okay, then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Ricky and me were talking about the word of God and he went like this, you know, I'm doing this series and what scripture speaks to you? Like what's your favorite scripture? And I told Ricky, I, you know what? I really can't narrow it down. See, because we go through different seasons of life. But God is always showing up and he's always showing up through his word. Somehow or another, he speaks to me and he gives me rest for my soul. And I needed that, especially early in my Christian walk because I was crying out to God before I even knew Christ. Before I even knew him. So I'm going to ask you guys to do something for me. You trust me? <laughs> Well, you're more trustworthy than I am, but okay. 
You're all going to stand up. Everybody stand up. And you're going to take out your phone. This is very weird, I know. This is a very weird experience. Can you put up the second slide for me, please? I want everybody to take a picture of these. Everybody take a picture. Got it? Okay, we're going to go to the next slide. Oh, I didn't get it yet? Go back to the first one. Don't worry, I'm technology challenged. We're good? Go to the second. And when you're done, just sit down. Thank you. You can put your phones away. You don't need them for the rest of the service. <laughs> Are you sure, Chris? I might need to look up scripture or something. Ah, don't worry. Anything you need to know, we'll put up on the screen. This word is so important. And Ricky, he brought to our attention the need to know the word of God. To be able to bring it up in those moments when you're not able to just go and look up a scripture. Maybe, believe it or not, you don't even have your phone. Or you can't remember. But if it is put on your heart, that's what's so important. Uh, Remember Ricky, he gave us a couple of memory scriptures. Anybody memorize them? Oh, sorry. I'm going to call you out. All right. Okay. Well, and, and just so you know, I have read so many Bible versions. So I got the ESV, the NASB, the NIV, um, uh, the NLT. So sometimes I confuse them. So I'm going to give you the easy cheesy New York version of these scriptures sometimes, all right? I don't want anybody to go like this. Hey, that's not what it says in the King James. All right, you're going to get the gist, right? You're going to get the, I am a big believer that God is big enough that you don't have to know Greek to understand the scripture. I think it's very good. I do a lot of study. It's good to know exegesis versus isogesis and everything like that. Yeah, to be a good teacher, you should really know what the actual word of God says. But I think God can communicate to his people if you're willing to open up this book. And if I can make this point, I want you to listen up onto this point. It's important. You're not studying for knowledge. You're studying for relationship. Because Jesus himself says, he is the living word of God. So every time you go into this word, every time and every moment, you are spending that precious moment in the presence of God. Finally, I realized one day, and I don't know if you realized it yet, there is joy in his presence. So this, to open it up, should never be a chore. 
should never be that hard. It should be your supreme delight to spend time with God. I'm going to look at my notes every once in a while. I hope you don't mind. Let's go to the third slide. You reading that? I believe wholeheartedly this is perfect. It is God's word. And he is perfect. I also love that God in his word, if anybody reads it, anybody knows any Bible stories, uh, you know about Abraham, you know about Moses, you know about Jacob, you know about David, you know about Peter, you know about Paul, you know they are all jacked up, right? Right? There ain't no perfect guy that God uses in the Bible. In my hand, I have the perfect message. But God has chosen for some reason that only he knows to use a very imperfect messenger. I'm humbled to come before you guys. I'm humbled to come and talk to you. But the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians First chapter, 27, 28th verse. He talks about God using the weak things of this world to confound the wise. Later on, Paul talks about, in his second letter to the Corinthians, he said, I'll boast in my weakness that you would see the strength of God in me. God uses imperfect people. Don't ever hold back on sharing your love for God because you look so much at yourself and see yourself unworthy. Who's really worthy? I'm going to tell you, I love Ricky. I come here and I put myself under the teaching of Ricky, and anybody who knows anything about my past, I don't talk about it too much. We'll talk a little about it in a little bit. What they see is this great teacher, and he is good. And I have been around some of the best teachers. Rick Warren, John Piper, the, lane, the names go on and on and on. I've heard some of the greatest men preach. Franklin Graham, Greg Laurie, the whole gamut of denominations, wonderful speakers, Tim Keller, all these guys. I'm going to tell you, Ricky's that good. You are blessed to have a preacher here, a teacher here, a pastor here who loves God and loves the word and brings it to you every week. Even challenges you to make more space for God to come in. How blessed you are. But Ricky will often say, you know, I'm not perfect. 
And just so you know, I'm the guy who's sitting in the back row who goes, we know Rick. Because <laughs> I love having fun with Ricky. You know, and that's another thing I love about this church. We can laugh, we can joke, we can scream out, and we're going to do something really weird later on. We're going to have some people come up here, and if you have any need, they will pray for you. Because God says, my house is a house of prayer. We believe fully in the word of God. We believe God will answer prayers. We believe where two or more are gathered, he is in the midst. We believe. So Ricky will tell you he's not perfect. I know Ricky's not perfect because he likes Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady this, Tom Brady that. And I have a different opinion on Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady went to the crossroads. <laughs> Nobody stays that young for so long. Oh, I drink a lot of water. No, I think Tom Brady made a deal with somebody. I know, I know, there you go. I'm perfect messenger, I told you. He's also a Red Sox fan. Boo. Yeah, boo. Are you booing me or the Red Sox? <laughs> okay, let's get that clear. Me being a New Yorker, Red Sox, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the title of the message, right? Anything I tell you apart from the word of God, you can disregard. We're just having some fun, right? I love the Bible and all those jacked up people God uses. You remember at the end, before Jesus' ascension, he's got Peter. He's got Peter in front of him. And Peter was this guy, man, he had wonderful moments. I identify most with Peter some seasons of my life. Peter he says wonderful things, and Jesus goes, man, that's awesome. God revealed that to you. We're going to build the, you know, we're going to build heaven's foundation on what you just said. And then a couple of lines later, he goes like this, standing behind me, Satan. You know, God, I identify with that. I can sometimes be so encouraging. I can be loving. I can be kind. I can... I can be Christ in that moment to a hurting person. And then shortly after, I can be an idiot. Thank God he's gracious to me. And he told Peter, he said, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, I love you. Jesus, sure, I love you. He said, no, 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 no. Do you love me? And he says, I told you three times, I love you. He says, okay, go feed my sheep. The wonderful thing about Jesus is we get so hung up about our past more than Jesus does. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a hope and a future. If you seek me, you'll find me. And I'm going to tell you something now. 
Cling to the thought your dark past is the greatest possession you have. It's the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you will avert death and misery for them. Those things that you hide, that brokenness, that stuff that you don't want to tell people in church who you are, those are the very things that God will use. So offer your brokenness. That's one thing when I talk to Ricky. I go like this, Ricky, preach from your brokenness. When people identify with your brokenness, then they will long for the victory you found. The victory that only God can bring. And that's me. That's me. Ricky introduced me. And I really appreciate the way he introduced me. I didn't introduce myself. Usually when I come to a podium like this, I start like this. Hello. <laughs> Thanks. My name is Chris. And I'm an alcoholic. And people go, whoa, especially people in church. And the other places are like, yay! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a legend there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just a schmo, you know, sitting in the back row. But people don't know. They don't know what alcoholism is. Is it this moral or psychological weakness. I'm here to tell you something. There's a lot of people in the church who are suffering because they don't know. And we in the church are ignorant. We have no answers for them. See, I have what's called this allergy of the body and this obsession of the mind. When I put alcohol in me, I actually metabolize it different than the normal temperate drinker. I actually cannot drink alcohol safely. I have like this allergy. Like some of you have allergies. Some of you eat strawberries. You're allergic to strawberries. If you eat strawberries, you break out in hives. When I drink alcohol, I break out in handcuffs. And I was to the end of my rope. You know what? I would love, we do not have enough time to talk about the car wreck that was my life. I'm going to tell you it got really bad. Trust me. It got me so beat down. I want to let you know, the alcoholic, the drug addict, They don't like being the black sheep of the family. They don't like being the one who lets everyone down. They don't want to be the one who everybody says, oh my God, you did it again? When they don't know why they did it again. If you ask them, they've probably given you a million excuses, but at the very end of it all, when they get to the end of their rope, I'm going to go, I don't know. 
I do the very things I don't want to do. And I don't do the things I know I should do. Sound familiar? Right? And they might even know this. You might even be in the church. You have a head full of this. But there's no power. There's no power. Lack of power. That's the alcoholic dilemma. And they've tried all kinds of moral philosophies. They've tried all these better codes on how to live their life. But they keep on failing and that creates this vicious cycle of going like this time and time again. I can't help myself. I give up. Give up. There was a great blessing though when I finally gave up. When I finally surrendered. Let me make this clear too. There's a threefold disease concept that we call alcoholism. It's the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. I can't drink alcohol safely, but my mind keeps on telling me to drink alcohol, even though I know it's insanity, right? It's insane, but it's the only thing that gives me ease and comfort because alcohol and drugs are not my problem. They're the solution to my problem, at least I think. At least I think my mind tells me I will rest some ease and comfort when I put this in my body and I'll go, ah. So I need some form of recovery. And uh, I'm going to be a little bold. So do all you. Because you're all recovering from something. It might, might be drugs and alcohol. But the third part of that disease concept is the spiritual malady. See, what I was drinking and taking drugs for because I wanted ease and comfort and what I had was the soul sickness. There's something that left me wanting, something left me needing, something I had no idea what it was. No idea. Wonderful thing I learned, I'd like to share with you. You never know God is all you need until God is all you have. When everything is stripped away, there's no more questions, there's no more answers, there's no more wonderful thoughts, there's nothing but a man who is down on his knees and he's crying one word, help. And if I can encourage you, and I believe the scripture will back me up. You're never your strongest until you confess your weakness. You're never your strongest until you go to God and you say, this is the place I need your help. This is where I'm weakest. And you know what God does? He does these crazy things. He turns those liabilities into assets. Because guess what?
God gets all the glory. And I came to a place where I walked in a room and I said, I'm done. And these people love me. They bandaged my wounds. They told me, we get it. They also told me, you're not alone. But then they gave me this really hard truth. They said, Chris, you're beyond human aid. And the only one that can help you is God himself. And you're going to have to surrender to him. Because your real problem, Chris, is not the drugs and the alcohol. Your real problem is you're selfish and self-centered. You think everything is about you. And when you go to God, you want God to just do what you tell him to do. Like, I wanted Santa Claus, God. But they said, no, 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 no. You're going to have to give your life totally to him. You're going to have to offer yourself to him, the good and the bad. And you're going to ask him to take away every difficulty in your life so victory over them would bear witness to the people you would help about his love, his power, and his way of life. I'm going to tell you, Whenever anybody who knows me, <laughs> anybody who knows me, whenever I'm up on a stage, whenever everyone will give me a mic, when everyone will just give me an opportunity to speak, three to five minutes is not enough for me. <laughs> Brevity is my problem. Because God is that good. I can't tell you how good he is. But I'm always going to talk about his love, his power, and his way of life, and what he did for me. And at the end of the day, like every good preacher, use a song lyric. <laughs> a perfect message. The imperfect messenger. See, I'm just a nobody. But I'm here to tell everybody about the somebody who saved my soul. Because God is that good. I love the songs we sing here. What keeps us from God? The shame. This feeling of failure, pride, fear. Wise man, I wish this was mine. He taught us this, taught many people this lesson. If I believe this God loves me, if I believe this God is willing to help me. If I believe this God cares for me, why don't I feel him? Why don't I know his presence? Why don't I know these victories? What is going on in my life? 
What is choking me out from the sunlight of his spirit that he offers, that he wants to pour out on me? He wants. That's how good he is. Hear me on this. God doesn't need you. He wants you. That's so much better. He wants to be part of your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you victory. He wants to give you comfort. Well, what keeps me from him? What in my mind keeps me from him? Can I have the next slide we talked about? I think it's slide six. No, the one before. This is it. This was the verse that came to my mind when Ricky said, can you talk to the congregation? He said, what is God telling you, Chris? What is God telling you? The scripture says we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. We knock down the strongholds of human reasoning to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Four things I told you about. Four things I look at in my life multiple times per day. Not just one time, but especially when I'm disturbed. Especially when I'm disturbed. You ever get that little gut feeling? You go, something's not right. I'm not praising Jesus right now. Selfishness. Dishonesty, resentment, and fear. These are the four things that keep us from God's presence. There are four things that keep us out of the will of God because it's not God's will. God wants us to love other people beyond what we love ourselves. But we're so busy looking to love ourselves. Self-love, self-love, self-love. It's all about self-love. That's what the culture tells you. That's not what God tells you. And you will pursue self-love. You will pursue it. You will pursue it. And you'll always be empty because guess what? That's not what God wants for you. Love his children. And trust me on this. When I started doing it, I could look in the guy in the mirror and I didn't hate him anymore. Dishonesty. What is the truth? John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth, Father. Thy word is truth. So I'm going to filter everything through the word of God. Every thought that pops in my head, especially the ones that disturb me. When I am in disturbance, where am I in God's word? He is the one who's supposed to comfort me. And talk about addiction, going back to that part of it. 
Where you get your comfort is your God. So you might go, well, I don't have addiction problems. Really? Where do you get your comfort? You got to go on Amazon? You get a little rush? <laughs> Packages are coming. Makes me feel good. Ooh, I'm going to get on that screen and I'm going to look at stuff I don't want my wife to see. <sighs> I'm going to get some comfort. That feeling. Where you get your comfort is your God. All addiction is false worship. Anything you seek before God is your idol. What's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? Is it Starbucks or is it Jesus? But we're all imperfect, so don't get me wrong. Anything I say here, please understand, I'm only claiming progress, not perfection. Right? The more I seek God, the more of his word I put in my mind, the finer the mesh of that screen becomes that I filter life through. The more you can put, the more you will filter out the lies that come, the dishonesty. Because trust me, I've lied to myself long before I started lying to you. I start believing the stuff I say. I start believing the lies I tell myself. Resentment. Bible says, don't let the sun set on your anger. Means you, at most, 11 hours, 59 minutes, and 59 seconds, you get to be pissed off. Because God says you can be angry, but in your anger, do not sin. So we're going to give you 11 hours, 59 minutes, and 59 seconds to figure this out and go like this. God, you told me to love others the way you love me. And to forgive others the way you forgave me. And the big one and the last one where I think everything kind of weaves together is fear. What am I afraid of? I pray you would become sensitive to that. Because we act in all kinds of ways. I can't tell you how you're going to act, but I'm going to tell you how I act. I get a little bit aggressive. I get a little bit argumentative. Get a little angry. And that's how it manifests in my life. But deep down, when I filter everything through this, And I take all of the earthly wisdom.